Psalm chapter 48, a song, a psalm by the sons of Korah. Great is Yahweh and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. On the north sides, the city of the great king. God has shown himself in her citadels as a refuge. For behold, the kings assembled themselves, they passed by together. They saw it, then they were amazed, they were dismayed, they hurried away. Trembling took hold of them there, pain, as of a woman in travail. With the east wind, you break the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of Yahweh of armies, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. Selah. We have thought about your loving kindness, God, in the middle of your temple. As is your name, God, so your praise is to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk around Zion, go around her, number its towers. Notice her bulwarks, count her palaces, that you may tell it to the next generation. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. Um, I really like Psalm 48. In fact, I, I like it so much, I put it to music many years ago. <laughs> and uh, just reading this um, psalm now just brings the song back to mind. I'm not going to sing it for you, but uh, it's a song I do like. Now, um, some of the commentators that I have read have suggested that this psalm was written right at around about the time that the king of Assyria and some other kings were with him. They were attacking Jerusalem to destroy it. And King Hezekiah was the king. We went through the, the books of Kings and Chronicles and we talked about King Hezekiah. And um, the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, was attacking. And uh, an angel of the Lord went out and put them to death. And, you know, Isaiah prophesied it. It was, it was a terrific, amazing story. And the thought is, at least by some of the Bible experts, that this is written right after that. So, you know, the, this evil enemy from afar has tried to attack Jerusalem, but the Lord defended Jerusalem, and we've got this great song of praise, you know, uh, saying, great is the Lord, and, and mighty is his name, and, you know, mighty in the city of our God, his holy mountain. <laughs> and, you know, so it, it's a terrific song of praise right for the moment, and you and like I said before, whenever the Lord does a great deliverance, you know, like the time when Israel had to cross the Red Sea and all the Egyptians were drowned and, you know, they sang a great song. Moments like that bring out great praise, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, however, this is, a, this is a psalm with double meaning. And the second meaning is the grand meaning. So we, we find that when we get to the New Testament, and I've talked about this before, that, that we see a real meaning to many of the things in the Old Testament. So there are things in the Old Testament like, for example, this idea of the city of God or this idea of the mountain of God, which is mentioned right here in this psalm. The, psalm 48, verse 1. Great is Yahweh, greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in his holy mountain. So they, they, they start out by saying, praise the Lord in his, in his holy city, you know, in other words, in Jerusalem. So it's talking about a physical place, but we get to the New Testament and we find out 
that the, the there were real things in the Old Testament that had a symbolic meaning. They weren't symbolic of a less real thing. They were symbolic of a more real thing. So we often think of metaphor as like, you know, it's kind of like a symbol of something that's non-tangible, non, and because it's non-tangible, we think it's like not real. But we, we kind of think it's got a real meaning, but it's not a real thing. Well, I'd like to say that that might be true in some cases, but in the Bible, when the Lord uses metaphor like that, or in this case, it is a real thing, but it's also speaking of a more real thing at the same time. But there's a lot of times when Jesus uses metaphor and he says things like, um, I have food to eat you know not of. So he's speaking in a metaphor, but he's not metaphorically talking about some kind of thing that's, that's food, but it's not really food. No, in Jesus's mind, he's talking about something that's more real. And um, like, you know, when the devil's tempting him and he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God, it's not just metaphor, but he's talking about real life, the type of life that's eternal. We think these spiritual things are less real, but they are the real reality or the real real. Sometimes I call it the more real real. And the reality that we know, which is our temporary life, the food that we have to keep on eating every day to survive, these things, are they're physical and they're real, but they're less real. It, it takes a little bit of time to get your head around these, these concepts, and I've been talking about them for a few years here at Peace. But once you start, and even I don't get a full sense of how real the things are that the Bible talks about, but they crop up everywhere. So they're, they're here in Psalm 48. So it starts out by saying, you know, great is the Lord or great is Yahweh in the city of his God, in the city of our God. So, you know, at the time the psalm was written, they were singing praise to the Lord because, you know, he just defeated their enemies. And so praise the Lord. He's so wonderfully powerful in Jerusalem. That's the right then on the ground meaning. But there's a bigger meaning. <laughs> The city of God in the New Testament, we find that is the body of Christ. It's the church and great is the Lord in his church, in his people. Turns out that we are the new Jerusalem. We find that out. And um, we also find out that we are his holy mountain as well. So if you look at this psalm from the more real, real perspective, it's talking about grand, grand things. So for example, in verse two, it says, that this mountain, so it was talking about Jerusalem, it says it was beautiful in elevation and it was the joy of the whole earth. <laughs> now, um, they would have probably in their mind thought that Jerusalem was the joy of the whole earth just because they felt so joyful about it, but would not literally have been the joy of every single nation in the earth or every single person. But the church is becoming that. Through the process of gospel, the gospel at work in the nations, the church is becoming the joy of the whole earth. <laughs> so there's the real meaning at play. It says in verse three that the citadel, which is talking about Jerusalem, was God's refuge. So yeah, in a sense, God was physically there, but we know that the church, the body of Christ, is God's refuge. We've become a temple and he dwells in us. So there's the real meaning. And um, so you can see that when you're looking at the, it from the deeper perspective, the psalm is just alive, alive, full of meaning. It says in verse 8 that the city of our, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. Now, right here, we see a distinction because Jerusalem's been destroyed by God multiple times. 
and technically the, yeah, well, the city's still there, but it's uh, not had this like kind of permanent place of God's favor and blessing and it's not been permanently established. It's come and gone multiple times. But the body of Christ, the church, that's a more real reality and that is permanently established forever. And then it says sailor. In other words, think about that. And that's something you should think about. The church is the one thing in, in history and in society and in the world that's permanently established. There are people, you know, who come and go and they want to set up cultures and empires and they want them to last a long time. So this idea of having an empire that lasts a thousand years is kind of like this glorious concept. So the Romans, you know, they wanted to have an empire that would last a thousand years, but they didn't make it. <laughs> they made it to, you know, like four or five hundred years. You know, Hitler wanted to, to start his Third Reich. He wanted it to be a thousand year empire and it didn't last more than about 20 years. <laughs> and so people have all these grand schemes, but in the end, it says the city of God will be established forever. That's the church. And the Lord established the church how long ago? 2,000 years. <laughs> so already it's been more than that magical 1,000 twice over. And it grows each and every year. And we get to verse 10. This is some very cool stuff in this psalm. It says, As is your name, God, so your praise will reach to the ends of the earth. As is your name, God. In other words, your name has already reached the ends of the earth, and so your praise will reach to the ends of the earth as well. Already now, the name of Jesus is known just about everywhere. But what this psalm is saying is that the praise of Jesus is going to reach everywhere just the same way. In other words, it's not just the fact that everyone's going to know that there's a God or that everyone's going to know that Jesus is the Lord, but there's going to come a time when it's going to be, the praise of the Lord is going to be so widespread, it's going to be everywhere. We see a bit of a hint of that in Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah said in verse 31, 34, he said, there's a day coming when no one will teach his neighbor about the Lord because everyone will know the Lord. And Hebrews 8, that's quoted in Hebrews 8, 11, where it says, no one will say, know the Lord, because everyone will know the Lord. Well, that's great. It's, it's terrific to think that there's a time coming when the love of Christ has gotten so permeated into this world that it's just in everyone's heart. Everyone knows him. And Psalm 48 says the praise of the Lord will extend all around the earth. Very, very cool. So we're, we're living in the middle of that process. You know, 2,000 years ago when Christ came, the name of Jesus was known nowhere and the praise of Jesus was known nowhere. But now... The name of Jesus is known everywhere, and one-third of all people in the world say that they're a Christian. In other words, they praise him to some extent, but we're in the middle of a process. <laughs> Two-thirds to go. Now, I've got to admit, some of those Christians that call themselves Christians, they're not, you know, on fire for the Lord. There's a great deal of them, but just, um, you know, it's a cultural thing. They're born into a, a Catholic family or an Anglican family, or they don't have a heart for it, but... It's a process. There's a process at work. And the day is coming, says the prophet Jeremiah, says the prophet Isaiah, says the psalmist, which is the son of Cor one of the sons of Korah here, that that's what's coming for, the city of God. And it says in verse 12, there's so many cool things in here. You should go and put on your New Testament cap and reread this psalm. Verse 12, it says, go around her. Now the her is the city, but the her is also the church. It says, go around her, number its towers. 
So the towers are the parts of the city which are strong and fortified. And um, I'll read what I've got written here. The towers of the Lord don't seem like towers to those outside the city. So there are people in the world that look at the church, they don't think it's very special. So they mock and scorn. And yet the church prevails. Um, I remember a, a, um, a university student here in the church telling me that they'd been studying a humanities class at college and the lecturer had been talking to them about the Roman Empire and had said, you know, one of the great mysteries of history <laughs> was how the Roman Empire was so strong and how it was so opposed to Christianity and somehow Christianity overtook the Roman Empire and ended up, you know, controlling it. You know, how did that happen? <laughs> well, go around the city of the Lord and count her towers. And so we've got cultural resistance in society, but bit by bit, the gospel overpowers it. <laughs> see, people in the world can't see its strength in its towers, but the Lord, he's so smart. You can't outwit him. Verse 14, it says, This God is our God forever and ever, and he will be our guide even unto the end. You know, the Lord is eternal. The things he does are eternal. Now, at the physical level, this psalm might have been about, you know, a great moment of victory for Israel. But at the eternal level, God's doing grand, grand things and you and I are a part of them. And it's so cool. That's one of the reasons why I like this psalm. It starts out, great is our God. <laughs> He's worthy of praise in the city of our God, the church, his holy mount. Yeah, we have a great God and he is with us. Lord, thank you so much for Psalm 48. Thank you. You're an eternal God, a God with plans. You've built a great church. The church has towers. You dwell among us. You dwell amongst your people. You're building something eternal. Thank you. We have the joy of being included in it and included in Christ. Amen.